Okay, so thank you for inviting me. If you're here last year, I talked about how to talk to your children about sex. And I must say, that was a far more exciting topic. I mean, I'm here to talk to you about guilt. Who wants to hear about guilt? So congratulations to all of you that have come, um, because guilt's not all that exciting to talk about. But I pray that our time together will be helpful for all of us. So just as Amber shared, um, guilt, whether it's real or imaginary, is an incredibly familiar feeling. Most of us know the experience. Um, and, And it's not really a good experience, isn't it? When I was starting to think about this topic and plan what I was going to say, it was quite interesting. Back in October, November, I actually had a conversation with two people in my extended family, just a normal everyday conversation, not a counselling conversation, and both those family members shared with me some very big guilt issues. And of course, my mind was already in tune with that idea and I thought, oh wow, it really is out there. Now guilt can be big or it can be little. Maybe it's feeling guilty about having a piece of that, those slices that came around today. If you were here yesterday listening to the nutritionist, maybe you talked the bit of slice but felt guilty. Um, maybe it's just about being late one day. Maybe you feel guilty about having dirty household appliances. Or it actually can be huge and really long-lasting. It might be guilt about a failed relationship. It might be guilt about having an abortion. It might be guilt about some criminal activity or something you chose to do in your younger years that now you look back and just agonise over. So in the 20 minutes or so of this huge topic, I'm just going to do four things. I'm going to talk about what true guilt is. I'm going to talk about false guilt. I'm going to talk about the common unhelpful ways we deal with guilt. And then I'm going to talk about some helpful ways of managing guilt. But I want to say in the outset, I've got 20 minutes, and this is a huge topic, and dealing with guilt is a lifetime process. So I'm going to say some things. Please don't hear me say that this is a simple, quick fix. It is not a simple, quick fix. Okay, so what's true guilt? A simple definition of what guilt is, uh, is a painful feeling of self-reproach for having done something, or maybe not done something, that we recognise as wrong. Okay, so it's a painful feeling of self-reproach of something we recognise as being wrong. That is true guilt. King David describes it beautifully. He says, Because of my sins, I am bent and racked with pain. My days are filled with anguish. Does anybody connect with that? That is what guilt feels like. It is awful. 
As painful and as terrible and as strong as it is, appropriate guilt is actually a good thing. It functions the same as physical pain. So from my medical background and from your experience of being a human, when you have physical pain, it drives you to do something about it. You know that something is wrong, so you go and find out what is wrong, and then hopefully you get the cure. The emotional pain of guilt is meant to drive us to do exactly the same emotionally. And we're going to talk about that, how we do that, a little bit later on. So that's a definition of true guilt. So what's false guilt? And I'd like to say that false guilt feels exactly the same. Okay? False, false guilt feels exactly the same. So we can't differentiate it from what it feels like, but it has a very different causality. So we define guilt as being something that we have done that we perceive is wrong. False guilt is when we haven't done anything wrong, but we ourselves take on somebody else's guilt or somebody else gives us guilt and we accept it. I have a very personal example of the first. And I'm up the front in front of all of you and I'm going to get emotional. Um, Guilt is very powerful. Um, I have a broken relationship with a family member. Now, I know and I don't like broken relationships and I know that they're not good and I know that God doesn't like broken relationships but this person is actually choosing not to have a relationship with me now there were things that I did wrong in this relationship and I went to that person apologized I made it right and I apologized and I've actually apologized multiple times but that person is pursuing rejection of me. I still feel guilty. That is false guilt. I cannot do anything about a reconciliation with a person who does not want to be in relationship with me. That is a great example of false guilt. And I'm working on that. I'm a whole lot better this year than what I... Well, I'm a whole lot better this month than what I was last month. And I thank God for that. I haven't got a personal example of the second type, but I can think of a zillion. So how about your best friend rings you up and says, oh, look, can you, re- can you mind the children today? My babysitter's fallen through and I have to go to work. For whatever reason, you say to your friend, look, sorry, I can't do it. And they say to you, oh, my goodness, Oh, I really was relying on you. My boss is going to be so angry and my job's on the line. How do you feel? How do you feel? Good? And what are you going to do? Who's going to say, oh, all right. Who's going to do that? That'd be me. And the other group of people will say, no, I can't do it. But how do you feel for the rest of the day? 
You feel terrible, don't you? Oh, I wished I could have done it. Oh, I feel maybe if I'd done this, maybe if I hadn't said I'd do that, or maybe if I wasn't so lazy, I could have helped her out. The other thing, um, another example that I thought of, which is very common, mothers are very good about putting guilt on their children. Um, And and I'm not going to pick young children, because probably a lot of you, but let's say the mother whose child says, I found a flat and I'm moving out. And the mother bursts into tears and said, oh, you're my last baby, what am I going to do? I'll be all alone by myself. Oh, I'll have to take to the wine. (laughs) How does that poor 18-year-old who's trying to be an adult feel? And then when her mother turns into an alcoholic 10 years down the track, you know, I'm joking, of course. But seriously... How would that person feel? That young adult would feel responsible if she takes it on board. They're examples of false guilt. And it happens all the time. Often, false guilt can be a little more subtle than that. Just those little comments every now and then, things that we're probably not aware of in the moment. I've given you big examples. But sometimes it can be like a dripping tap the person that always sort of just makes you feel bad. So just be aware, because it can be so subtle that we don't notice it. Another form of false guilt, and it's not really guilt, but I'm going to throw it in just for completeness, is the feeling of regret. We can feel pain and sadness and loss when things happen that are actually accidents. Things that we have done unintentionally and they have a negative consequence and we can actually feel guilty about it. We can confuse a mistake with a wrongdoing. Now often they're really hard to tease out. If I've forgotten to ring my father on his birthday, is that an accident or have I been lazy? or disorganised. It is often hard to tease out. So I would encourage you to take the time to think through. Is this a mistake? Is it a genuine forget? And if it is, I'm really sorry, I'm really sad, let it go. If there is something that we are guilty about, then we'll deal with it. False guilt, the, the first and most important and absolutely crucial step is to identify it as false guilt. It's about changing how we think about it. And if I can quote Frozen, because I love it, you know the grandpa troll, the wise one who fixes up Anna? She comes the first time when her head is frozen, when Elsa hits her. How many people know the movie? Enough, okay, enough. So Elsa accidentally hits her in the head with the cold and she's frozen. And the grandpa troll comes and he says, oh, it's only in her head. We we can fix that easily, but if it's a heart, it's much harder. False guilt is about identifying. It's about changing our headspace. It's about acknowledging it and moving it away, saying this is not guilt. 
I am not going to deal with it as guilt. Changing our headspace. Okay, so true and false guilt, we've defined them. Let's look at the ways that we deal with guilt. And I'm going to start off with the common, and I think the more common way, but really unhelpful way. As we've said, guilt is an incredibly strong emotion. It gives us incredibly strong pain. And most of us want to get out of pain. So I'm just going to talk about three different ways that are unhealthy but very common. The first thing to do, the first one I'm going to talk about, not the thing to do, the first one I'm going to talk about is denial or avoidance. We feel so bad that we just close it off. Now, I was helping out this morning and somebody said, are you okay to do this because you're speaking today? And I said, yeah, I am. It's a great diversion. (laughs) Now, that's a healthy thing to do. But often, in our guilt, we close it off without being aware of it. So somebody comes to you and says, oh, do you remember when you said that? And you go, no, I didn't say that at all. And you truly believe it because you've blanked it out. Or when you say to somebody, oh, you were talking about this. No, I wasn't talking about that at all. Or the person who says, look, just leave the past in the past. Not going to deal with that. Now, the past may be this huge, humongous, painful, festering boil, but we're just going to leave it there. That is avoidance or denial. Part of um, the recovery program, the first couple of weeks, we talk about denial because we are very expert at doing it. And it's, it's putting a Band-Aid on a bleeding artery. So it might cover it for a little while, but eventually it'll explode. Okay, so we'll either deny or avoid in unhelpful ways. The second thing is to minimise it. This is when we say, oh, it really wasn't that bad. Or, even probably worse, I'm not as bad as that person. It's not as bad as what happened last week. So what we're trying to do is to make ourselves feel better by pushing whatever it is we're guilty about down in its sense to us. But the truth is, We're not stupid. It is very difficult to trick ourselves underneath. We're very good at tricking ourselves on the surface, but it doesn't work. And the third one is rationalising things and or blame shifting. They sort of go together. This is when we make excuses or when we move it over to someone else's problem. I only did that because I was lonely. I only did that because I was... I only yelled at you because... There's always a reason. That's rationalising it. I didn't really intend to do it. It was just in front of me. I feel like that every time I eat a chocolate. If a chocolate's sitting in front of me, it just can't stay there. I'm hopeless. Um, But I do feel like that. Oh, if it wasn't in front of me, I wouldn't have eaten it. What am I doing? I'm rationalising it. 
or the, or the blame shifting. She made me do it. I wouldn't have done it unless he did this. And Adam classically said, she gave me the apple. It wasn't Adam's fault that he ate the apple. It was because Eve gave it to him. He was very cleverly blame shifting. We can, with our guilt, paint it over. I have a son-in-law who's a painter and he can do magic with paint. But if we try and paint a rusty tube, it will look good, but the rust will eat away from the inside. And one day when we really need that, whatever it is, one of these beams or something to protect us, it will fall apart. Covering over guilt does exactly that for you and I. Undealt with guilt leads to shame. We've heard the phrase guilt and shame, guilt and shame, haven't we? And we often think they're the same, but they're not. Guilt is about feeling bad for what we have done. So if we're not cleaning our appliances or I've eaten the chocolate, I feel guilty about those things. Shame is how we perceive ourselves. So shame is feeling worthless, hopeless, helpless. It's no longer about the event, it's about our worldview of ourselves. We feel naked, we feel vulnerable, and we want to hide away, just like Adam and Eve hid away in the garden when God was looking for them. God made us in his image, I think Mark talked um, about that, how even people who don't even believe in God share a bit of God's image as they make films and movies. God made us in his image. We are wonderfully and fearfully made, but shame denies all of that. And it dramatically affects how we live. We live in a shame-based position. We might live incredibly fearfully or anxious. We might do the opposite. We might overcompensate with confidence and be a driven person to hide away all that shame. We might actually avoid close relationships because we don't think we're worthy. Or if they really find out who we really are, they won't like us. There's a whole range of possibilities of what shame does to us. But the bottom line is we have no freedom. We are chained to our shame. One of the books that I think is on the um, bookstore has a really lovely, it's called Grace That Breaks the Chains. And it's got a lovely picture of a chain that's broken. And we have freedom from guilt and shame because guilt and shame traps us and we lose our freedom. And often it can be so strong, our shame can be so strong that we're actually unable to face our guilt in a healthy way. So it drives us back to all of those unhealthy ways like avoidance and denial and rationalise and minimise all of those things. Okay, so what do we do? What is a healthy way of dealing with our guilt? So remember, we've got to differentiate true guilt and false guilt. That takes a bit of work. But we're just going to talk about true guilt, the things that we have done, said, not done, not said, that we perceive as being wrong. The first 
thing is to acknowledge that to ourselves honestly. It takes courage and honesty. Remembering that doing something wrong does not mean we are bad people. That is the shame talking. How do we do this? A little tip is that we isolate an event and not generalise the problem. So let's say um, you lied to somebody. You don't go, oh dear, I've done again, I'm such a liar. Even if that is true, the best way to deal with guilt is to deal with the event. I lied to that person today. What we do is we keep it to something that we can manage. If we say to ourselves, oh, I'm such a terrible liar, that takes us to shame. If we keep it to a single isolated event, we can actually acknowledge it with courage and honesty. And then we can begin the process. Acknowledge it to ourselves, courage and honesty. Confess it to God. I don't know where you are with God or what your concept of God is. Mark's talked about a whole range of concepts of God. I know God to be an incredibly gracious, forgiving God who sent his son to die for me because of the things that I am. And I take that forgiveness on board and I know a God who unconditionally loves me. So when I have done wrong, which I do regularly, I confess that to the perfect, forgiving, loving Father. And what that does for me is begin the process of forgiveness right at the grassroots. It teaches me humility. Every time I do that, it teaches me humility. So the next time I do it, it actually grows my understanding of who God is and how gracious and loving he is. And what that does is gradually minimise the shame I feel about myself because I see myself as God sees me. And so that gives me strength and courage to face the next day when I fall over again. The third thing is to confess it to others. I hope that all of you here in this room have at least one safe person in your life. That might be your partner, it might be a good friend, it might be, um, might be anybody. But a safe person is a person who knows you and whatever they do, they're doing it for our best interest. Now if you can't think of a safe person, then I would encourage you to look around and find one in your life. It is also the place where, um, as Tanya shared wonderfully, recovery is a safe place, to be honest. And if you don't know anybody, and uh, especially today, if the thinking about guilt has raised some very hard personal issues for you, that's where counsellors are very helpful because they are safe. Confess it to others. Now, I'm a very verbal person. 
I process things externally. So as I talk and I da-da-da-da, I go, oh, yes. If you're that sort of person, confessing to others is really important. If you're not quite that sort of person, a lot of the men in the room here are more internal. They may not have to verbalise it. I don't want to stereotype, but... Um, so if you're not an external processor, you confessing to others may not feel as necessary to you, but I would like to say it is still important. There is also that level of accountability. As we confess to somebody, it helps us be accountable. So we've done those three things. The next thing is to ask for forgiveness to those we have wronged. Say a simple, I am sorry. You know, that's three little words, but they seem the hardest words to say. Just reflect, how often have you heard someone say to you, oh, I'm really sorry? I guess not often. And I'd probably also like to challenge you, just think about the last time that you said, I am truly sorry to somebody else. When we say sorry, what we're communicating is that we're repenting, we're changing our ways. We don't want to be like that to the other person. And we're asking them for the forgiveness and acknowledging that we were wrong and our wrong action or word or whatever has an impact on those other people. Forgiveness liberates us from guilt. But often we don't ask for that forgiveness. And to learn to ask, I am sorry, please forgive me. And then the next step is to accept that forgiveness. We can choose to accept a gift or not. So if my lovely husband Daryl bought me a bunch of flowers which he doesn't do often enough. <laughs> no. Long story there, I won't tell you that. Um, if I came home and there's this lovely bunch of flowers on my kitchen bench and I say, oh, thank you, darling, and throw them in the bin, would you do that? No. When you get a bunch of flowers, what do you do? What do you do with your flowers? Show them off. Lots of words I couldn't hear. Show them off. You display them. You put them somewhere where you and other people will see them. And every time you walk past, most of us look at their beauty, take in their fragrance and think, oh, that was a beautiful love offering. We take it on board and we grow ourselves in that love. Forgiveness and acceptance of forgiveness is a process that we need to do. So when somebody says, that's all right, I forgive you, then we have to actually take those words into ourselves. We have to embrace them. Often we have to say it out loud, I'm a verbal person, so I will say to myself or I'll write in my journal, great, Daryl forgives me today. Isn't it wonderful that he loves me? And I might have to say it the next day when I feel guilty again. No, I've said sorry, he's forgiven me, his love is unconditional, I'm okay. 
It's not a one-off process. I'm giving you sort of a little stepwise process, but this goes on and on and on. It's a process. Finally, the last thing we have to do is put it away. There are times when we have to be very strict and firm with ourselves. We have to speak loudly and with authority to our feelings. Now, you'll go and pick up your children and maybe they'll say, can we go to McDonald's for lunch? And you'll say, no, not today. Do they accept that? No way, Jose. Oh, Mum, everybody's going to McDonald's because it's the second last day. No, we're not going today. Oh, gee, Mum, that's really unfair. We haven't been to McDonald's for three days. Come on, Mum. What do you do then? You get out the voice, do you? Vicky, we are not going to McDonald's. And those that know me are laughing because that's my daughter who's 34. <laughs> you, you get out the authority because those little voices just keep going. We have to do that to ourselves. That little voice of guilt keeps going. Those feelings which we have to master if we are going to be in control of ourselves. So pull out that authority that you have as a person, as a child of God created in his image and forgiven by him. So you may be sitting there thinking, well, there's nothing new. That I've heard all that before and boy, is that basic. And you are absolutely right. Simple, basic, you've probably all heard it before. But in my years of counselling, Lots of people do not practice it. It's a skill that they may know of, they may not know of. They may know of it, but they do not practice it. We are all tempted to take that easy path, the path of avoidance, denial, minimise, rationalise. We are all tempted, and I'm sure we all do still, because it's the easy path, but long term, it's the hard path. This year, um, or no, last year, I had a wonderful um, holiday in Canada and Alaska. And our guide said, and we were looking forward to seeing bears. And our guide said, if you have an encounter with bears, don't run away, just stand still, face them, and be strong and courageous. And they probably won't hurt you. <laughs> Mostly, or less likely. Um, and we did have an encounter on this slope. We're walking up, and there were two bears. And it was like, I was terrified, but we stood there, and we just crept a bit closer. We stayed a fair way away. Our guide was right, and I think it's like that with guilt. If we turn away, run away, it will get us. But if we, with honesty and courage, stand firm and face it, and deal with it in an incredibly simple way, but incredibly hard over and over, then guilt will have a less role in our life. So I've, I just brought you a couple of books to leave it with you. This is a really good book that's on the bookcase, a book um, shop, Grace That Breaks the Chains. Um, it's a really good in-depth book, but if you want a really quick read over a cup of coffee, um, freedom from Guilt 
is also a really nice, just basic, but nice simple reminder that you could just keep in your cupboard somewhere and on those days when you have to speak firmly to yourself, instead of speaking to yourself, get your little book out and read it. Thank you.